You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we have Alice Brooks, who is an amazing cinematographer. Her resume includes In the Heights with John Chu that was released this past summer. Tick, Tick, Boom, which is in select theaters this week and on Netflix starting November 19th. And she is the cinematographer for the upcoming film version of Wicked, starring Cynthia Erivo and Ariana Grande. I have been so excited to talk with her for so long, and I can't wait to have this interview. Hi, Alice. Hi, Mason. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to get to chat with you about films. So... Can you walk me through how you got to where you are working on such huge film and TV shows like Home Before Dark? So when I was, um, I I grew up a child actor. I lived in New York. I um, did lots of television commercials, only almost 40 national television commercials between the ages of five and 10. And when I was 15, I went on my last interview for a movie called um, While You Were Sleeping with Sandra Bullock. And I interviewed for the, the part seven times. And um, the, the, the audition was in, in Santa Monica and we lived in the Valley in Los Angeles and, and it was rush hour. So my mom and I went for a walk on the beach in Santa Monica and in my heart, I knew I didn't get the part. And I, um, said to my mom, mom, I don't want to be an actress. That's your dream for me. I want to be, I want to be a cinematographer. And I looked down and I saw this feather, it was gray and white and I picked it up and and I have it, I carry it with me all the time. It's in this broken frame, but it's just the reminder of the start of this dream that I have been living. And I um, and I focused on still photography in high school. I lived in the dark room. I went to USC to film school and where I met John Chu. And John and I made a short film while we were in college called When the Kids Are Away. And it is a musical and John and I bonded over our love of musicals. It was 2002 when we made it, and it was um, before Chicago had come out or Moulin Rouge. So it was before the renaissance of the of the movie musical. And I was so excited that that John wanted to make movies, m- musical movies too. And and um, so then over the years we've done over the last 20 years we've done a ton of projects together. Um, we did a series for Hulu called the Legion of Extraordinary Dancers, which is, um, it used, we did it in 2009 and, and it was one of the first web series. Now you don't call them web series. They're just series, but, um, but, and it was this, it was a 
show about these dancers and their superheroes and their powers were their dance moves. And we met, we started working with Christopher Scott, the choreographer from In the Heights at that time too. And the three of us really started developing a language and a flow and a collaboration to the way we worked. And, and we did 30 episodes of it over three years. And we really learned how to tell a story through, through music and, and dance and, and then, um, and then we kept making movies uh, either together or apart. And and John asked me to do Home Before Dark, and I did that. And then In the Heights. Yeah, and in the In the Heights, one of the most popular shots is Uznavi in the window and the dance scene going on in the street. And that, I wanted to ask you a question about that. Um, what's your process of creating these iconic, complex shots to fit into the movie? You know, I, I, this it's interesting because I I don't while we're doing them I don't think of them as complex shots, but but um, as I'm asked questions and it becomes it, it's clear like they are complex. And what we learned on the Legion of Extraordinary Dancers is that we um, we learn to be fearless. We learn to try anything and 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 take risks, um, not in terms of safety, but in terms of uh, creative risks and try new things and not, and we had nothing to lose on the LXD. We got to invent our own rules. And if we messed up, that was totally fine. And, and we learned a lot then. And, and so I think, I think we, I think, I think I learned on that show that creative risks are, are, are the things that end up being the most rewarding. And so be fearless in the face of, of material that comes up and figure out in how to tell the best story possible. And, and sometimes those are, those are, those are tricky shots. Yeah. Um, and there are several of those that are throughout the film. Like there's one at the salon where you zoom in, but then flip around and it's in the mirror. And there's several of those throughout all of the films that you've done. And I haven't, seen tick tick boom yet but i'm so excited to see what you've done with that film um but there was also a few hidden cuts where most people wouldn't notice them and i just wanted to see how much you are involved with the editing and cutting together of those shots i have been very fortunate enough to be able to work with this wonderful editor the last um we've done three projects together so far we did home before dark in the heights and and um and his name's Myron Kirsten, and we have this really wonderful, um, wonderful collaborative relationship. John instills in his collaborators just this wonderful sense of of being a team, and then um, Lynn did as well. And there are for the transitions, absolutely things were designed. So places we did hide cuts um, were were intentional, were designed. And um, there are really long takes in in the Heights. There's a single oneer called Champagne, where we're in one apartment, and we didn't do we didn't hide any cuts. It was it was all one take. And so there are, there are things that um, you know, working with Myron, he trusts he trusts his directors, he trusts me, and and so we don't we don't necessarily need to shoot a lot of extra shots just so he has material because he he you know, he understood like champagne, there was no way to cut out of that was it. We, we either got it or we didn't. And there was no, we couldn't hide anywhere. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah. And not on the editing side, but with that scene, um, champagne, you had the actors singing live. So what was it like working with the actors and Alex Lacrimore to create that song to make it flow into one take? 
Um, so we we had a pre-record, which is when you go into the studio and record the song before. So we had been listening. I had been listening to that. So I would uh, the music supervisor Steve Gusecki, he did both both Tick to Boom and In the Heights was wonderful at getting me music as soon as they had finished the pre-record so that I could really learn the song. And so, so when we went, um, John and I and Chris Scott on the day before we were shooting Champagne, we went to the location, the real location of Abuela's apartment and Usnavi's apartment. And we, we had the pre-record and we walked through the whole shot, but then suddenly they are now live singing I mean, not suddenly, we knew they were going to live sing, but now you're in the reality of them live singing. And our study cam operator had to improvise because there's this moment where um, Melissa, who plays Vanessa, took this pause when they're in the bedroom and and we've been going around them in 360s. And then suddenly the study cam operator, his name's Mark Schmidt, amazing, amazing. He was able just to like pause and, and listen. He had an earwig in so he could hear the music too. And he was obviously a few feet away from the actors as well. But he just intuitively watched and was able to draw out that shot as long as possible until she, until Melissa felt like, like, she, like she was able to deliver her next singing line. Um. Moving on to um, Tick, Tick, Boom and what we can see from that. Um, what was your favorite part of working on that film? Tick, Tick, Boom was this very special, magical film from the very beginning. I I met Lynn on In the Heights, but we didn't have a, a we didn't, we actually spoke only one or two times uh, during that whole process. But um, on the last day, my agent called me at lunch and said, uh, Lynn would like you to read his script. He's going to direct a movie. It's called Tick, Tick, Boom. It's about Jonathan Larson who wrote Rent. And, and I didn't, besides being the writer of Rent, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about Jonathan. And so we wrapped in the Heights and I spent the next three days immersing myself in the script. And as I was reading Tick, Tick, Boom, I turned page after page after page and each scene felt like it could have been a scene from my childhood. I grew up in New York city in, in um, the eighties. And, and I moved from New York a few months before this movie starts when I was 10 years old. And just like Jonathan Larson, we lived in a tenement apartment, 300 square feet, a bathtub in the kitchen. It was my parents and my sister and me and our pets. And just like Jonathan, my dad was this struggling playwright trying to, trying to, break into theater. And just like Jonathan, we had our, our community filled our tiny apartment. We had all my dad's wonderful artist friends around us at all the, all the time. And I, I think back to that time and just completely amazed that I got to be around all these artistic people at such a young age. And, and just like Jonathan, we lost friends to AIDS and it was a really, uh, scary moment in time um where 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 we were in the middle of this crisis um quite you know similar to what crisis we're dealing with now with covid and so i i left new york in in a few months as i said before this movie begins and so new york to me will always be that that will forever be my new york this exact time period of this movie and it's this this vision of New York that's etched in my memory. Uh, it's it's that of a child of a ten year old, where color and light and emotions are heightened, and where there's this 
blurred line between dreams and reality. And and that's what Jonathan, how Jonathan Larson is. That's was what we became became the jumping off point for the creativity um, for for Lynn and I to create from. Because the opening number is called Thirty Ninety, and it talk it, Jonathan sings about being Peter Pan. He's this childlike human who does not want to grow up because he feels like if he grows up, he will have to give up his dream. He will have to get a real job and get married and move to the suburbs and not no longer pursue his dream. So, and Lynn and I are the same age. And so Lynn also has that memory of New York City at the same time. And, and that's what he wanted. He wanted Tick Tick Boom to look like. I showed him pictures of my, my childhood photos in my lookbook as at, in our first meeting. And he goes, wait, these are your photographs. These aren't something you pulled off the internet. And I said, no, that's me as a baby. Those, these are my dad's friends. There's our bathtub in the kitchen. And when goes, well, you can't get any more personal than that. And, and we started talking about the movie. Yeah. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, so having that vision in your brain, did it make it easier once you went in and you had all these ideas already in your head? To, and how is that communicating that to the team? It was. Uh, so so then I started to find, look at pictures and 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 different artists and a lot of street photographers from, from that era. Um, Nan Golden is a, one of the biggest inspirations for, for the look of Tick, Tick, Boom. But we also had this amazing other resource, which is, you know, you, me, everyone now lives in a world where we're constantly photographed. Cameras are on us constantly, whether we like it or not. And in 1990, that just wasn't true, except it was true for Jonathan Larson, his best friend, um, had a camera and was filming him all the time. And we have eight years of, of beta cam footage of Jonathan Larson in, in that apartment, in the moon dance diner on the, at the New York theater workshop doing his one man show tick, tick, boom. We had this huge reference and, and that, and that 1990s sort of video quality we wanted to immerse in the project but I also had this video that I could show my team and so so I brought a group of the team members um, of, of from camera lighting and, and grip to to our offices and I showed them the videos and I talked about Jonathan Larson and we looked at all these photographs our department had and I started to get them really engaged in Jonathan. And when I was making In the Heights, I, I knew I needed to fall in love with Washington Heights. I knew that was my job. And there's a moment during Tick, Tick, Boom, I realized my job was to fall in love with Jonathan Larson. And 
to honor this magnificently wonderful human being. Joy is so many, so full of life and so many questions and, and someone who has these huge dreams and doesn't let go of them, no matter how much he's pushed down, he, he always gets up the next day. Absolutely. So, and you, there's a, in the trailer, there was a picture of Andrew at the phone at the Moondance Diner that perfectly resembles a picture of Jonathan during his lifetime. And I thought that was a beautiful recreation of that moment. Um, but you also had your process during COVID and you were filming the movie in the height of the pandemic. So what were the measures that were taken and how did you guys approach coming back to creating while everything else was shut down? So we started we, we started this movie in 2019. We started prepping this movie in December 2019 and almost two years ago, exactly. And then and we shot for two weeks and almost two weeks and then we got shut down. And and in those two weeks, the crew, it was it was clear the crew was completely in sync with each other. We had this amazing group of people we were working with. It was one of the best days of my life filming um, two days before we were shut down. It was just like this incredibly fluid, amazing collaboration with Lynn and my whole, all my departments. And I, um, and then we were shut down and we're ripped away from this thing that we are like so in love with making and the story we all want to tell and share with the world. And we don't know if we'll ever get to finish it. And after a few weeks, we started doing something that we called Tick Tick Zooms where everyone from the cast and crew was invited to, um, you know, 500 people on the call sheet were invited to jump on Zoom for a couple of hours. And at first it was sort of like a therapy session. It's like, oh, how are you doing not leaving your house? How are you getting groceries? How are you getting toilet paper? And then, um, and then it became, it turned into, um, it turned into, we did trivia. Then we started doing trivia. And then after but it just gave us all like this insight into each other's lives, right? Like we're now seeing each other's home spaces and Zoom was nothing that existed before. I mean, it did exist, but it wasn't to the degree it is. And and so, and then somewhere in May or June, it was like, well, I think we're going to start to try to come back. And then and then July, we started prepping the movie again and, and filming by the end of September. And, and we were all very bonded by this, the six month tick tick zoom period and, and, and being ripped apart from each other. And then we came back and it was amazing. Almost every single person came back to the movie and we all had to trust each other that we were going to take care of each other and be safe and, and take all the precautions necessary in our lives. We were one of the first movies, full movies to shoot. And we shot for 42 days without any, um, without any shutdowns. And it was it was a remarkable team effort. That's amazing. So you said that you filmed for two weeks before the movie. Are those still in or before the shutdown? Are those still in the movie? And at what point can we see the cut between um, March and June? So, um, or March, we didn't start filming until September. So it was, it was over six months that we, that we hadn't filmed for. Um, so there's only one complete number that we filmed um, pre-COVID, and that was the Delacorte Theater for the number Y. Um, and then everything else we had shot parts of, but not, not full scenes. So they're really like, sometimes I look at the footage and I go, that's pre COVID that's post COVID, but I mean, you can't tell. Yeah. And the biggest question that everyone listening wants to know, what's it like to work with Lynn Manuel Miranda? So Lynn's an incredible collaborator. He, 
It comes from a theater world where the people you work with become your family. And and he workshops plays. I mean, he workshopped in the Heights for years and years and years before there was ever a performance. And he brought that workshop mentality to Tick, Tick, Boom. So during prep, we would storyboard with a huge group of people. It was the production designer, me, the storyboard artist, the AD, and the writer were all around the table. And we read the scenes out loud and then we'd start to storyboard and design shots and the production designer was there and he was able to to you know hear our ideas and change some set design based on our ideas or he was able to to have models with us or photographs so that we could understand what the space was going to be like and then the writer was there i've never had a writer so available during prep where where if Lynn came up with an idea or I came up with an idea or the AD came up with an idea, Stephen was able to incorporate that into the script. And it was this really fluid process that I, I, I believe evolves from Lynn's experience working in theater. It's not at all a film way of approaching prep. And it was the most collaborative, wonderful, generous experience I've had. Yeah. And then moving on to Wicked, how much has already been planned and um, where are you guys at in the Wicked process? I cannot answer any questions about Wicked, um, except for me. <sighs> I thought I was going to get it out of you. No, sorry. Um, so all I no get to know problem. is that Cynthia is Alphaba and Ariana is Glinda? Yes, you'll have to wait for, you'll have to wait for more information to come. Oh, okay. Um. So I had a question. So you talked about interviewing for um, a movie at the beginning, but how do you, how would people start to get into the cinematography world? How would they get their first interview without experience? Well, you need experience. There's, you have to have experience. So I, I mean, my path was, I went to film school. I went to USC to film school. Um, and, and, but I got out of film school and you get out of film school and are like, oh, great, I'm going to start making movies right away. And I got out and I realized my reel wasn't, I didn't have enough material on my reel to get any work. And so I spent the following year in what I call my graduate year, where I hung out around USC. You know, I, I wasn't enrolled there. I just hung out and I offered all the graduate students, I said, I'd love to shoot your thesis film. And I shot something like 20 to 30 movies that year. And actually John's was one of them. And it was, it was, so I got out. So after that year, I had like a pretty decent reel. And then from there, I was able to get an agent, although I had only done shorts. So there wasn't, there wasn't much to work from for my agent, but I had an agent on my resume at least. And I just, I just shot and shot and shot anything, any, anything anyone would hire me for or ask me to do for free or, or even like, oh, can you come over for an hour and help me film this? I would just get all the experience and, and learning that I could. So you can't get, you don't get a job interview unless you have experience. It's filmmaking is challenging and it is a hard career path. And if you don't want it more than anything, then it's, it's just not worth it. It, you have to, it has to be the thing you want and to do with your life and you can't see yourself doing anything else. Absolutely. And one of my last questions. So a big point that I want to hit on this season is the education of people to get into the industry and how to get your foot in the door. Um, so is there anything that you would like to add to the conversation of 
getting into the industry? Yeah. When I was, um, I had, I needed one more class when I was at film school and I took this producing class, uh, even though I knew I didn't want to be a producer. And I actually learned probably the most valuable lesson in that class. And the professor said, Hollywood is like a brick wall and your job is to get to the other side. And you'll spend years, decades, throwing rocks at the wall, trying to find, trying to break through to the other side. And at one moment you will, you will, the rock will break through, but it will be this tiny hole, but you'll see the light on the other side. And that's the moment you're going to want to quit. That's the moment you're going to want to give up. But that is the moment you must endure. You must keep going. And, and he said, it, it's in that moment that you're so much closer than you think you are. And do you have a moment that sticks out to you when you think about that? Is there a moment that you felt like that? Yeah. I mean, many moments. Um, but the biggest one was about six months before John Chu asked me to do In the Heights, to shoot In the Heights. I said to my husband, I'm just done. I cannot do this anymore. I don't want to be a DP anymore. I don't want to be a cinematographer anymore. I want to figure out something else to do with my life. And my husband said, I, I don't believe that. But if you feel that way in six months, fine, then we'll figure out something else you want to do with your life. He said that you have to hold on for six more months. And Six months to the day John asked me to do in the heights. That's amazing. Um, so you were filming during the pandemic, but was you, what was your first piece of theater back after the pandemic lifted, either Broadway or off-Broadway? I have not seen a show. Um, I have a six-year-old who just got her first vaccination last week. Yay. And so um, so we've been, we've been very isolated. So um, I, in terms of doing doing fun things, but that's changing very quickly. So I, I got to bring her to the premiere of Tick, Tick, Boom, and she went to the premiere of In the Heights as well. And so both, I mean, that's the closest to theater, but while we were making Tick, Tick, Boom, while we were doing the New York theater workshop section, it was, it we were sitting there and no one had seen live theater in, we shot that in November, I think. No one had seen live, live theater in eight months or something at that point. And and we all were like, wow, we missed sitting in the dark in those chairs and and watching things. And so I, I am hoping to go to New York right after right after Thanksgiving and, and get to see something. Yeah. Um, so this has been an amazing interview, but is there anything else that you want to add before we wrap up? No, Mason, this has been amazing. I love all your questions. They're so thoughtful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for saying that. And thank you so much for being here. I will definitely... Talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org, because only together we rise.